Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million, and this is a podcast where we discuss feminist issues in music and pop culture, all while empowering fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. We do have two new Patreon members to shout out. So Katie and Kylie, thank you so much for joining our Patreon. I hope you're enjoying our back catalog of bonus episodes. Any more of you are interested, you can get old Music Meltdown episodes and other bonus content, as well as access to our Discord server over at patreon.com slash name three songs. And before we get into everything today, we did ask on our Instagram stories what you guys want us to talk about. And we're going to be doing this more where we put up like the question box on our Instagram stories. So please come follow us on Instagram at name three songs and you can tell us what you guys want to hear us talk about because sometimes there's things on our radar but we don't think it's that important or we don't know how many people are really interested in it so we would love to hear what you guys think and one of the responses that we got this week was someone asking us to talk about hannah ewan's book fangirl scenes from modern music culture which we did talk about in the very og days of (laughs) name three songs all the way back in the year 2020 that's right folks we've been doing this for a hot minute (laughs) this episode is in november 2020 if you want to scroll back and find it it's called confessions of a fangirl tales from hannah ewan's fangirls in which we talk about like our favorite moments from the book and our learnings etc etc and more recently in august of last year we did have hannah on the podcast which is really awesome and in that episode we got to talk about this article that she had written for rolling stone about pop stars who are now in their 30s and how they're claiming their power in their 30s and historically we haven't seen a lot of pop stars reach that age in the limelight and still be celebrated to this degree so it's a really fascinating and honestly a really empowering episode so highly recommend going back and doing a little deep dive if that's something you guys want to hear about and speaking of our instagram story we also decided what to talk about today based off of The ridiculous outpouring of, yes, please talk about this in our Instagram poll, asking if you guys were tired of us talking about the Taylor Swift, Maddie Healy drama, because like we never know if we're talking too much about one specific pop culture moment. But with the recent release of Taylor Swift and Ice Spice's collab remix of Karma and Maddie Healy's tie in to ice spice by being on that podcast and like agreeing to them saying offensive shit about ice spice and like all of the drama going on there it feels like a very big pop culture moment that like we can't ignore no matter how tired we may be (laughs) from being in the taylor swift trenches the past month and a half of our lives but you guys overwhelmingly voted to have us discuss that today so we are going to be getting into that later on into today's episode but of course as per usual today we are starting with fangirl moments and we're having a deeper conversation about what it's like to see your favorite artist live and the parasocial relationship that you have when like it's a big like arena touring artist once again we have a great week for fangirls specifically jenna and in her fangirl behavior oh, specifically <laughs> no okay look I got to see my favorite K-pop boys tomorrow by together two nights in San Antonio. I did have my YN moment. So cute. But the joke that I was going to make on this podcast this week is that like, we both had very fangirl experiences this week. Me and that I got to see my favorite boys, Sarah, and that she was making up Taylor Swift conspiracies on the internet, <laughs> um, which I never thought would leave my mouth, except that that was going to be my joke. Except that last night, Friday night, not only is Harry Styles filling the For You page, also Louis Tomlinson is his first night of tour, and he's covering 505 by Arctic Monkeys, notably (laughs) Sarah's favorite band. So Sarah was in complete chaos last night. Yeah. Okay. We didn't just like (laughs) make this about me. We didn't put Sarah on blast. (laughs) We didn't make this about me. I'm just saying we both had very big fangirl weeks, but it's just like, it's so, you guys, I don't think you guys understand. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know, but like the combination of Louis Tomlinson and (laughs) Arctic Monkeys like together is like Sarah core. It's like, it's just like Sarah's starter pack 101. Like, so I knew like when she sent me that, I was like, holy shit. I was like. She's gonna well, melt. We like FaceTime. We're just like crying on the phone. It's so funny. Well, it's also like I woke up on Friday morning and I'm like, okay, I guess I need to listen to this Ice Spice Taylor Swift remix. And instead, I open Spotify and Spotify is like 
Faith in the Future bonus edition. And I'm like, excuse me? Bonus of what? <laughs> I'm like, Louie, without telling anyone, was just like, here, have four bonus songs on me. <laughs> Oh my god, I, I forgot about that. Yeah, yesterday was chaotic. Because I was just thinking about the set list and like his show last night and all the videos coming out. Like, Yeah, I mean, oh my god. I Yesterday was a good day to be a Louis girl. <laughs> like, let me, <laughs> let, let me just say that. I mean, the set list is incredible for like the three song encore plays Where Do Broken Hearts Go? Aww. Which is also like a God tier One Direction song. So, yeah. you know... You know, somebody just needs to start singing Change Your Ticket and I will, <laughs> I don't know what I'll do with myself. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that uh, Harry Styles on the For You page, you know what? I didn't care as much before, but for some reason this time around, <laughs> this time around, I think it's because I'm in like my own fangirlness and I'm like, oh, here's Harry. Let me send this to uh, Sarah. Like he's being real cute on stage. Well, I think also, you know, he's playing Stockholm Syndrome. So, like, now we just all have <laughs> No, I mean, I don't know. I feel like he's being, like, extra cheeky lately. And I'm like, all right, Harold, uh, calm down. No, he's being real cute. It's okay. Um, I just, like, don't... I, like, don't... I don't... <laughs> I don't know how to, like... I don't even know where to start with, like, my own story of seeing TXT because my life has been literal chaos since Tuesday. Like, no, this whole week. Sarah... <laughs> Can you help me? Where do you want me to start? Oh my god. Well, okay. So from the Jenna's friend perspective of all of this, there's been like this huge buildup of Jenna getting to go see TXT because this is like her favorite K-pop group. And it's been really fun for me personally to experience because throughout all of mine and Jenna's friendship, like we've both been very much like out of our fangirl phase, really, because of doing music journalism and photography and all that sort of stuff, a lot of the like mystique around these artists kind of disappears, as we've talked about before, like in older episodes of the podcast. And I just think it's really funny how since the podcast has happened, like Jenna's found K-pop and then like obviously Harry Styles started touring again. And like when it comes to anything with One Direction, it's like a very different world than like the artists that like we would have been closely working with like when we were doing music journalism prior to covid and so it's like a whole different mindset like of caring about these artists and like the artists that like we might have liked and gotten to interview or like had close proximity to through photography or whatever because it's like a whole different caliber and also like again the whole boy band thing of it all it's like they're literally created specifically for us and our enjoyment yeah yeah um and so it's a whole different world and so it's been really fun to watch and experience like secondhand (laughs) me lose my mind well not even lose your mind just like unabashedly love something and like not really care like not feel embarrassed about it like it's nice (laughs) because no matter how much we talk about it i feel like especially as professionals we've been essentially kind of like brainwashed to feel like slight embarrassment of it no matter how much we want to like own loving these artists but it's just been like so fun because jenna's like i'm just gonna like go crazy and get floor seats and i'm gonna do everything and it's like (laughs) i'm just gonna my yolo moment the funny thing is like you're saying this it reminded me of when we had lucy ford on our podcast and Mm -hmm. i don't remember the exact quote but she was basically like why would i be embarrassed about liking something that's made specifically for me yeah she made good points yeah (laughs) so i went i saw txc two days i had a floor seat for day one i was like relatively close to like the center stage because they had like main stage like a runway and then like the center stage so i was really close to the center stage and then day two i had vip and i was like closer to the main stage never in my entire life have well have i imagined being in this scenario really because it's like when i saw one direction in 2014 i technically did pay for floor tickets like i bought resale floor tickets with me and like a few other girls from college and we went and saw one direction on the floor but seeing one like even just comparing boy bands seeing one direction on the floor versus seeing any k-pop show on the floor i was just having this crazy like number one it's that thing of realizing like oh this like this person's a person and they like exist and they're just a person and like when they're on your screen and like everything that you're constantly being fed about them is just like 
they're cute and they're adorable and they're funny and they do this and you know all these things about them like the parasocial especially with k-pop the parasocial relationship is so strong and mm-hmm. then i saw them i'm like this is just a person i was like this per- the- they're just on stage like doing their job but the difference between that and one direction is that the way i was like describing to sarah afterwards is that k-pop feels like it's 50 percent about the music and about the performance and it's 50% about the attention and the interactions. Whereas like if I go to a One Direction show, like I never go to the show or even if we're talking about Harry Styles like in the present day, I never go to a concert expecting the performer to interact with me. Even Harry now, when he's reading the signs, if I'm not taking a sign and I'm not in the crowd, I'm not expecting he's going to give me attention. And I'm not going into that, like paying for it. Whereas like, it feels like with K-pop, part of what you're paying for is the fan service. And it just like, I was just like having this like existential crisis on day one, because I'm like, I've never been to a show like this where like, the other thing is like, if you want attention from the members, you kind of have to like go out of your way to make yourself known if you're just standing there or you're just recording they're not gonna like engage with you but if you have a sign if you're like throwing up hearts at them like asking for like a half heart like if you're I don't know like jumping around dancing like going really crazy they're gonna give you attention because you're more noticeable so the first day I like I didn't have a sign because I was like what like what am I supposed to write on a sign I was just like this this feels silly and I was by myself and like the people on either side of me like weren't very outgoing so they were also like quite quiet and like subdued during a concert and so I was like I felt I don't know it was just so wild and like at one point like they do this thing where they like call out fans in the crowd and they have this little dance that they made up and they want fans to do the dance with them and so then they put a spotlight they pick out people in the crowd they put a spotlight on them to do the dance and they're up on the big screen like I knew they were going to do this whatever at one point they all five members are like in my corner of the stage like looking for who they're gonna put on the screen and they're like straight up just all like staring at like my section on the floor and I was like I was like don't look at me like do not perceive me like I don't want to be seen and then they picked like some other people who were like higher up than us but it was just so it was just so wild of like I wasn't expecting that they like were actively going to be looking at me it's so interesting because like you were saying before with like the one like one direction shows or harry shows it's like unless you're like relatively close and like have a sign you're not expecting harry to like acknowledge you and i think it's so interesting cuz like from what you're explaining to me it's like no matter where you're sitting in that venue like there's going to be fans trying to get the artist's attention and i feel like when i saw harry i wasn't on the floor so absolutely nobody around me was like expecting harry to be like oh like yeah, i see yeah. you up there like whatever like yeah. nobody's doing that and so i just think it's so interesting because it's like it's not like anybody around me like wasn't having a fucking blast or like losing themselves to the music and like screaming about like whatever harry was doing but it's like i couldn't imagine being like in lower bowl at like a venue and like still be like yelling like Harry like trying to get his attention but it sounds like in k-pop they are doing that and the k-pop idols potentially will actually interact with people who are farther away as well yeah so it's like every it's like every single fan in that venue is stressed out (laughs) yes yeah yeah no people even people in like the 100 levels who like if they bring signs like and i the other thing is i'm always like can they see that far you know but when they put the house lights up because i was on the floor i was really close to the stage so i was looking around at the signs and like the 100 levels i could read all of them and i'm like that means they can also read all of them so like legitimately they can see the fans in those in those sections but the thing was like they were like purposefully looking at the fans like in between dancing like because some songs are doing like full choreo and sometimes they're more just like singing and just like doing whatever but they like purposefully look at the crowd to see who wants to interact with them and i was like no i was shook i was like don't look at me like what are you doing do your job like (laughs) and so that's the thing is like going into day two i was also like i have no idea if my seats are going to be actually good or not i was like i thought they might be but i so i was next to the main stage it was not the floor and it wasn't the 100 levels it was like kind of like an in-between level where i was like literally next to the main stage my seat was on the aisle like there's no one so i'm basically like quote unquote barricade for like 
adjacent to main stage so i was like they'll probably like see me at some point but also like they were at the center stage so much that i was like i'm gonna be like watching the big screen or like their backs like a lot of the show and then they would come up to main stage for like a little bit but going into day two i was like all right you know what like i had my day one experience i'm feeling kind of weird this is the thing is i'm like I'm just here for a silly, goofy time. Like, I'm just here to live, laugh, love. We are yellowing. Like, and day two, I was with a friend. So I think that, like, put me a lot more at ease of it's like, I don't, you know what? K-pop is silly. This is a silly, goofy time. This is meant to be fun. I don't need to think so deeply about these things. Yeah. Like, we're just going to YOLO here. So I went into it in, like, a, like a, literally, like, an easier mindset of, like, we're just here to have fun. And I had the VIP, so we did the sound check, which is, like, they come out and do three songs. And, like, you're not supposed to record. And they're just, like, wearing their casual clothes. And they were so cute. And they, like, they had on their cowboy boots and their cowboy hats. And they were doing all this <laughs> yeehaw stuff. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like... Sometimes I am so Texas. So then like the show's happening and I had like a piece of paper and a Sharpie, like just in case I felt like writing a sign. And after the sound check, I felt like writing a sign. So I was like, all right, fuck it. Like we're just going all in at this point because like, th- like this is silly. Like this is yeah. so silly. Like me begging for attention. Like <laughs> this is so silly. We're just here to have a good time. So I wrote like my little sign for my bias, Yeonjun. And I knew that the time when I was gonna be able to show it was like at the very very end they literally do like a 12 minute goodbye like it is the most funny insane thing of like they have like their encore songs and like the final song the fans are supposed to like sing along and then there's like there's so much confetti everywhere and then they literally take like 12 minutes to wave to every single person in that (laughs) arena and it's so funny because there's like there's like kind of background music but it's like super awkward background music it's not like hype Mm -hmm. music it's like you're maybe going to a spa type music (laughs) and it's just like at a weird volume and they're literally just like waving to everyone and then like sometimes saying bye in the microphones and I'm like this is so goofy like this is so silly so anyways they do their main stage goodbyes then I know they're gonna come over to like my side of the stage so Mm -hmm. I'm literally like here's me holding up my sign this is so fucking silly and then Yunjun noticed me and then I was like was that was that me like did he notice me and then I blew him a kiss and then he blew me a kiss and I was like oh he did notice me how wholesome but it didn't end there because <laughs> they they go to the other side they do the right side say their goodbyes they go to the back of the stage where they're like there's like the screen comes up and they step behind and then you know the screen is going to slowly lower and they're going to be gone forever so <laughs> I'm just like, I'm in the aisle, right? And I'm just like, we're here for a silly, goofy time. I'm dancing. I'm dancing in the aisle. And I did not think that they were still like looking at me. (laughs) But I like did this dance move that Yeonjun's been doing the whole tour where he literally just like is thrusting his hips. And I wasn't even thinking. I just like did like I wasn't literally no thoughts, all vibes. I just like did the dance move. And then he did it back on stage. And I was like, wait. I was like, wait, what? I was like, he just, he just like, he did that like at me, like he copied me. So I did it again. He does it again. And I was like, is this a joke right now? The girls behind me are all screaming their heads off. And then he's kind of like looking other places saying goodbye, whatever. But he keeps looking back because like I'm still dancing in the aisle. And I'm at this point, I'm like, this is hilarious. Also, this man is known to like twerk a little bit sometimes on occasion. So I was like, maybe I can get him to twerk. <laughs> I was literally like throwing it back in the aisle. And he looks over again and like literally the final goodbye was like he like he like motioned as if he was going to and then like didn't, which I saw him do to somebody else on tour. And then like the screen closed whatever and it was so funny because we were like because of the angle of our seats we could still see them like behind the stage and so then Subin was like waving to us and we were like being very aggressive about like waving to him as long as we could so it was hilarious and then I like looked around because everyone was like oh my god like he noticed you and people were like high-fiving me they were like congrats like all of a sudden (laughs) it was so funny I was just like I like at no point did I scream I was just like did that was that real like did I make that up <laughs> everyone was like oh my god and I was like did anyone get a video of that and like they were all like no and I was like cool okay <laughs> like no one got a video sick so then like the next day I'm just like scrolling I'm like somebody is gonna post a video of this ending the next day I finally found a video of like relatively like decent angle compared to like where I was of Yeonjun like the goodbyes are happening and he's like literally like throwing ass at me um or well he was hip thrusting whatever and people in the comments were like why is he acting up like this is a sentimental moment and that's the funny thing is it's like the goodbyes are usually very sentimental and they're just like like why did he do that and so then I like went on TikTok and made my little explainer video being like it was me 
he did it because of me. It was so funny, like, when you were telling me about this. Because, like, from what Jenna's explained to me about K-pop is, is it's, like, like, saying they're very controlled feels icky because of, like, all the stuff that people say about, like, One Direction being controlled or whatever. But, like, controlled in the fact of, like, it's very obvious that, like, they know that this is their job. But also, like, love every second of it, whatever. And so I was just saying, like, when Jenna was explaining this to me, I was like, if this was, like, the 90s and this was, like, Backstreet Boys or, like, 98 Degrees or something, I'm like, you would be standing there and some security guard would, like, come and be like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) Nick Carter wants to see you. (laughs) Oh, my God. Stop. But but seriously, though, because, like, you're on the podcast being like, yeah, like, they're usually, like, crying. And you're like, no, this man saw me shaking my ass and was like, gotta shake my ass back. It's so funny. He saw me from afar and he was so dazed. But like, but ge- but like genuinely that's what it feels like. Like I'm try- like I'm not trying to be like insane here, but it's so funny to me because it is it very much feels like if this was like any western artist, they it very much would have been like, "Oh, we're going to go collect her for you." <laughs> Yeah, no, it is just so funny because it's like when I held up my sign and he like acknowledged my sign, like that was very much fan service of like I yeah, was yeah. asking to be acknowledged. And it's like it would and not they don't obviously they try to read as many signs as they can. But like I also felt like it would have been awkward for him not to acknowledge my sign because I was like asking a question to him. And so like in his job, he like has to. And it's so funny because so many people bring signs that are like, be my boyfriend or whatever. And it's like you would literally never do this in any other scenario, holding up a sign (laughs) that's like, be my boyfriend. Like and because it's K-pop, they have to be like, yeah, I'll be your boyfriend. (laughs) But it's like even for Harry Styles, it's like, can you imagine like. I feel like maybe this has been done. Maybe it has been. But even for Harry Styles, I just feel like it wouldn't be normal for somebody to bring a sign that's like, Harry, be my boyfriend. Well, I think also it's interesting because from what you've said, it's not like they see a sign and like make it a joke on stage. It's like they see a sign and they like have a moment with that fan and like share that moment with that fan only. Meanwhile, yeah, like the yeah. whole point of a, of a sign for a Harry Styles show is you're making a sign in hopes that he's like writing a gossip newsletter that that, that you become part of the show like that's what it is is it's like the hope is never for is never mainly for like a one-on-one moment like obviously you see those videos where it's like oh like i made harry laugh whatever but like even in that regard it's like the signs are still there for his amusement rather than anything else because yeah. it's like it's like all the girly pops are trying to like make Harry Styles giggle. Like they're trying yeah. to, to they're trying to break him essentially. Like yeah. they're like, oh, like let's see who can like make Harry like forget a song <laughs> lyric. Like you know what I mean? It feels like it's trying to like create a moment for everyone. Whereas mm. like when you're talking about the K-pop stuff, it feels like they're trying to create a moment for themselves. Yeah, and yeah. and so I just think it's really interesting. Just like the the differences. In like how the shows work and all that stuff because again I I feel like obviously I've never been to a K-pop show I don't understand it but like in in that regard but like the way that you explain it it feels very much like you're going to like an all-encompassing show in like a different way than when you go see a more Western artist because obviously there's artists like Beyonce and Taylor Swift who have like their crazy stage setup and it is more of like a performance than just like going to listen to music. There's more to it than that. I think there's always like if you if you think about someone like Taylor Beyonce, it's like if you're on the floor, especially if you go in, you might have a hope that they're going to interact with you or they're going to see you or they're going to wave. But with K-pop, it's an expectation. And that's where it was kind of messing me up on the first day because I was like, this is so wild. Like I've never been to a concert where I'm expecting to get attention from the performer. Yeah. And I feel like that's what was like so interesting also is in you and I talking about the shows and like why I thought it'd be fun for us to like talk about you seeing them more in depth yeah. is because like you had two very different Completely experiences. Completely different experiences. Just yeah. two, like two, from like a Tuesday to a Wednesday. Yeah. And a lot of it was, was like, I feel like also like going to a show by yourself when it's like a quote unquote new experience can feel a little bit stressful. But I think also it's like so much of the music that we listen to is like about the music and like barely about the artist. Yeah. And the most 
you might be trying to interact is like when the show's over, like trying to get a drumstick or a guitar pick or something like that. But at no point, for example, for me, it's like in the last like six years, one of the few bands where I'm like going in the crowd to like lose my mind would be like when I see the early November or the starting line. And at no point in me doing this and like screaming and like having a fucking blast in the pit, am I like, oh my God. Kenny Vasoli is going to acknowledge me this 40 yeah, year old man yeah. I've had a crush on since I was 12 like no yeah. that's not the point of me acting up in the pit to a, out of the starting line show whereas like when you're at the k-pop show like you said it's like you're going into it knowing that there kind of is the expectation from the artist that you're going to be begging for attention and there's yeah. the expectation yeah. Yeah. also that yeah. like the artist is going to be like wanting you to want to be begging for yeah, attention. Yeah. No, it's true because there's even like, I said, Young has been doing this like hip thrust, like dance move the entire tour. He yeah. knows fans are going to scream. And like some fans have like a very like, I'm going to pass out type of reaction. Yeah. And so he does it. He's been doing it every single time. He's been doing it more and more because he knows fans go crazy for it. So like they definitely do things to like egg on the attention. Yeah. But it is interesting because like my very final interaction with them when they were leaving the stage, I wasn't even really asking for attention. Like yeah. I was just like having a good time. And then he noticed me and I was like, what do you mean you noticed me? Like, I wasn't trying to be perceived. Like, and then I was just like, this is so crazy. Like, well, I, think, I, think, I think also it's like you were doing a move that he does. So I think in yeah. his mind, too, because again, like you're yeah, like you're not trying. But also at the same time, it's like he sees that acknowledges it as Oh, like that's one of my signature moves. That's for me. Let me respond. Because again, that's like how they're trained to have their mindset. But I also just think it's interesting because like we were saying at the beginning of the episode about how like working in the music industry and like the whole backbone of like how our podcast was started of like being a fangirl like has helped our careers in a lot of ways because we know like what questions people want to be getting answers to for interviews. And like we know all these sorts of things and like I don't know I feel like it's definitely beneficial to like care as much as we do about the music that we care about in our career path because I think it also makes us like think more in a lot of ways but also I think like with that mindset of like being so aware that these are just normal people at the end of the day I feel like the k-pop of it all very much blurs these lines because it's so it's so obvious because how much we know about like them going into training for years and like the fan service of it all and like all of these things that they do that it's a job but also they do like love their fans more deeply than like any western artist possibly can because they know that without the fans there'd be no career meanwhile i feel like there's a lot of western artists who are like i just make my music and i whatever like you know and there's kind of like this i don't think that they ever mean to come across like this but i feel like anytime i hear an artist being like i'm just an artist at the end of the day i'm like stop being so fucking pretentious like you wouldn't be here if i wasn't like paying your bills which like feels bad to say but it's like k-pop artists know and are aware and are like yeah i wouldn't be here if they weren't paying for me to be here and just being a music fan in general and like feeling like oh they don't feel like they owe us anything even though their whole career is because of us and like all these sorts of things and being like okay these are just normal people at the end of the day and then going to see k-pop and being like are they normal people at the end (laughs) of the day because their whole life is like them being taught to be a k-pop star and because they're being taught to be a k-pop star it's like they don't really from what i've learned from you really like they don't really have like that much of a life outside of it it seems meanwhile like we do get paparazzi shots of like harry styles and emily radjakowski making out at a parking lot party you know like you're not gonna get that of a k-pop star like there is yeah it's and so it's so different it is, yeah, it is different in that regard because you get so much of them through a relatively controlled image. Like, from the company, yeah. they give you so much access to them. But then when it comes to their private life, there's a hard line where, like, if you saw Harry Styles on the street, you could go up to him and talk to him and get a photo with him, and he's always going to take a photo. If yeah. you see K-pop idols on the street, you can, like, say hi to them, but they're never going to take a photo. There's a yeah. hard line, and even within fandom culture, there's a hard line of, like... 
if you see adults on the street, essentially you're supposed to leave them alone. Like don't follow them. Don't record them. Like this is their off time because they give so much to us when they are on camera and when they are on stage and all of these other scenarios. I do think it was very, it was very interesting because just again, to reiterate that day one mentality was like, I'm like, these are just people like, why would I beg for attention? And then day two, I was like, okay, no, like this is a silly time. Like the way this industry is made for fans. I'm like, this is a silly time. We need to have a good time. I need to not think so seriously about this. Well, I think that also like from you explaining it to me too, it's like the first day it kind of was like you had to come to terms with the fact that like this is a real person like you know like that sounds really ridiculous when i say no, it it's loud, true it's like i see them on my screen all the time it's yeah. so like i'm just like you exist on my phone like you don't exist in real life it's so wild to see because yeah. no other artist have i ever gotten as much content about them from yeah than yeah. k-pop it's so much online content i'm just like i know like i know this person and then yeah. you see them and they're like, you're doing their job. And you're like, I'm like, I don't know you. <laughs> like, this is so weird. Well, yeah. And that's the other thing is it's like, you also have that mindset of like, they're here doing their job. And so you have to like come to terms with the fact like, oh, like their job is to cater to me. And like, yeah. but like witnessing that in real life, like I can, I can only imagine like how jarring that must feel in a lot yeah. of ways where it's like, cause it, it sounds like such a different experience than any concert I've ever personally gone to. And so it's like witnessing that in real life and kind of witnessing like I feel like it would be so weird to like, again, using Harry as an example, because I feel like it's the closest thing that I might have to this is it's like I feel like it would just be so weird if I was like on the floor for Harry. I feel like my brain would malfunction if the person next to me, the whole show is just trying to get Harry to pay attention to them. Like, I would just be like, why are you doing that? Like, he's literally singing stockholm syndrome right now like why why are you trying to get his attention like let the man sing (laughs) but like with k-pop it's like that's i feel like obviously it feels so much like they know exactly what they're doing and like how to function and like not break in the same way harry does when you have like a silly little sign up and like yeah. you know and yeah i just like can't even imagine it, it, yeah because i've seen so i saw bts in la for two nights and then i saw txt last year on tour but i was like far away like obviously bts is playing a fucking football stadium so i was very far away i was like i'm here for a concert and when i saw txt last year i was like close ish but not close enough that like i would have an individual interaction with them yeah so this was like my first time where i was like literally close enough to like see them and to see that they're seeing me because that's the other thing is i'm like i i just don't like arena tours and bigger because i'm just like if i'm gonna be far away i could just watch this at home like i know that's kind of a dumb mentality and like lots of people love going to these tours but i'm like if i'm there i want to be able to like see them with my own eyes so it was a very different experience even from me seeing them a year ago it's so interesting to like think about and just like i've been thinking deeply about this since this happened (laughs) for you because this like this summer is like the one direction girly summer because Niall's on it's tour, like, Louis on tour, and Harry's on tour for yeah. most of the summer. And I feel like each of their shows is like a completely different experience from each other. And it's also like completely different experience from One Direction. And also completely different from K-pop. But I feel like it's very much like feral fangirl summer in regards to like who is touring right now. And like... Well, and Beyonce's on tour and Taylor's on tour. yeah. It definitely is like concerts are back in full swing and it is interesting watching on the internet like how concerts have become like the spectacle compared to like how they were prior to the pandemic. TikTok, man. TikTok. You can see everything. It's it's so... All those people in the front row are posting their POVs. It's so interesting. It truly is just like everyone's trying to get the best piece of content they can get. And not even just from live stuff, but also like in in regards to like them preparing for the shows and like getting their outfits together. Like I literally saw something where it's like, oh, like everybody has like their fits that they wear to Harry. Like for Louie, we should all dress like rock star girlfriends. And like that should be like for Louie, oh. we should all dress like footballers I mean, who came yeah. out of a thrift store. <laughs> Literally, like when I saw this, and the girlies were like, like the the girls who made the video were like, oh yeah, and they they literally like made sketches of like outfits that people could wear for like this rock star girlfriend aesthetic. And I'm like, Louie's never put more than five seconds of thought into an outfit. She's wearing sweatpants and a polo shirt, like. <laughs> be for real (laughs) it's just 
just like this man was like oh yes i fucking- they're probably like gucci sweatpants too you know i know but he's like i just really love oasis and it's like like you're hot like be hot like come on he's taking the bloat core revival a little too hard it's just like so funny because it's like all these guys are like oh when i when i when i when i stopped wearing when i stopped wearing skinny jeans and it like changed their whole fashion perspective and louis like when i stopped wearing skinny jeans and it's like gucci track pants (laughs) he's going like he's verging on grandpa these days i just feel like for the aesthetic he's going for it could be done slightly better (laughs) yeah yeah like a little bit it's so funny okay we've we've fangirled long enough (laughs) i think and we do have to talk about taylor swift again i know i know i know i said we wouldn't but we have to because we put it look Look, guys, we debated whether or not we were going to talk about this. And the thing is, because sometimes we feel like this is going on for so long. Like, is there other stuff we should be covering? But this is like the news of the century, number one. And there keeps being developments, number two. So we posted on our Instagram stories being like, do you guys want us to talk about this? 92% of you said yes. 92, (laughs) okay? More than 50 people voted. So overwhelmingly, you demanded us to talk about this. So here we are. Yeah, so, I mean, everybody with pop culture worms for brains has been in the trenches for over a month now, and I am tired of fighting for my life, and Taylor Swift is like, bestie, I'm so sorry, but here is more, and I'm also not sorry. So, in the middle of this week, we had Taylor Swift announcing on her Instagram, collaboration remix of Karma with Ice Spice was going to be coming out this past Friday, and... That was a crazy announcement because of all the Taylor and Maddie of it all. Because as we've already explained during a podcast episode that Maddie was a part of, the two podcast hosts were mocking iSpice and Maddie just sort of sat there and laughed along and didn't didn't have anything uh, productive to say. I mean, say. I would say he was also or actively add, contributing to it. Yeah. I mean, you're actively contributing because you're part of the the conversation and not saying anything like in regardless to like standing up for her. And then at a concert did his I didn't think I was being offensive, but I'm sorry if I offended you. I spice. I love you like the most like bullshit, barely an apology apology that one could ever think of. Um, But also like what how is it an apology when you're apologizing live at your concert? concert? Across across the globe from where I Spice is. In Australia. It's like, like, I'm sorry, is the Bronx suddenly in Australia or Manila or whatever country they were in at that time? I don't think so. So it's kind of like a moot point, like him apologizing in that regard. And so we have Taylor announce this in like the most unhinged way. So number one, the Instagram image of this is literally like a fucking AI photo of Ice Spice and Taylor Swift both in like full body suits holding leashes around the moon and Saturn, which like what the fuck does that have to do with karma? And Taylor's post is um so much to tell you. I'm a massive fan of this brilliant artist and after getting to know her, I can confirm she is the one to watch. So delighted to say that Karma featuring the incredible Ice Spice will be out tomorrow night at midnight Eastern time as part of the new Midnight's Till Dawn edition deluxe album that you can pre-order now. So like Miss Capitalist Queen is in the past like three weeks has given us like so many random new drops of Midnight's for people to buy. Like I'm talking different vinyl variations, different extended cuts. Like it's crazy. But also this post feels like a mad libs like it feels like she just filled in (laughs) (laughs) like just filled it in and it just feels so chaotic so at the start of this episode jenna said that i put on my conspiracy theory hat in regards to taylor swift (laughs) and i had a bit of a meltdown and like my conspiracy theory hasn't changed and i will get into this in a second but There was like this clip from an interview or something. I don't know like what it was from, but Spotify posted this like 45 second clip of Taylor talking about like how this Ice Spice collaboration came to be 
And Taylor was like, iSpice is like reached out to me about a collaboration. And I will say, like, in the way the music industry works, and especially with the way that Taylor Swift works, it is very normal for artists team to reach out and be like, is she planning to do any remixes? Can I get my artist on here? Like, I'm sure that I Spice wasn't the only person in Taylor's inbox being yeah. like, hey, we would love to be involved. So I just think that that's interesting because I feel like there's there was a lot of discourse around the fact that Taylor was having I Spice on this song and that it was weird because now Taylor's dating Maddie and it feels like Taylor is trying to like do a lot of PR cleanup because there have also been a lot of articles in regards to like Taylor Lautner making comments about the speak now Taylor's version. And then like, there were some articles about like Taylor and Joe Jonas and like all of these like random articles of like throwback stories coming out to kind of try and bury Maddie stuff and Taylor and Maddie headlines being like the first thing that comes up when you Google Taylor Swift. So it feels very much like Taylor, for some reason, is doing a cleanup for her new boyfriend. But also, like, the fact that she had to go out of her way to make it known that Ice Spice reached out to me. Yeah. As if, like, no, I'm not apologizing for Maddie because I didn't reach out to Ice Spice. Ice Spice wanted to do this with me. Like, she, like, this, like, that information did not have to be known, and it was made known. Yeah. And so, again, like... This is why it feels very, like, again, Taylor Swift, like, calculated, like, planning all these things where it's, like, it's going, like, above and beyond to this point where it's, like, a little bit uncomfortable. And there's this creator on TikTok. Her name is Maddie Monologues. And she made this really interesting video about how Ice Spice being featured on this Taylor Swift song puts Ice Spice in this position where she's going to be forced by proxy to acknowledge the like Taylor Maddie of it all because like it's not like Taylor is going to be doing press to promote this in the same way where Ice Spice's team is going to be be, yeah like Ice Spice but also like Ice Spice's team because she is a new artist like a newer artist on the like on the rise is like they're going to be sending out press releases they're going to be trying to get interviews based off of her doing this collab with Taylor And it's going to be a really good PR push for Ice Spice of being able to promote this song. But in her promoting this song, and because she is a smaller artist, there's going to be less leeway for her to be like, no, I don't want to answer this question. And so there's going to be journalists who are going to be like, how do you feel about working with Taylor now that she's connected to Maddie, now that he's what he was involved in this controversy connected to you? And so there's going to be this thing where like, Ice Spice is going to have to figure out and plan how she wants to respond to these kind of questions when they do come up. And so rather than Taylor or Maddie having to answer for anything, it's going to be yeah. Ice Spice having to answer yeah. for it. And like people are going to like always come back and be like, well, why do either of them have to answer for Maddie? And it's because like Taylor is publicly connected to him. And like, while Taylor isn't the one who was involved in that podcast episode, again, it's like any way to get somebody to talk about it, but also because it is so, they are so publicly out there right now and so publicly connected, like there's no other option. And so this creator, Maddie, said that it reminded her where there was this controversy with Ariana Grande and 2 Chains with her video for Seven Rings because there is like this famous like pink trap house that two chains was like working really hard to save and had included in music videos that he had done in the past and people were like you literally stole this from two chains and then rather than like acknowledging it talking about it in public instead ariana has two chains feature on a remix for seven rings and then two chains when he's promoting this remix has to be like yeah ariana and i are chill like it's not a big like everything's cool here And so it's like this uncomfortable situation where he now has to do the accepting of the non-existent apology from on Ariana Grande's behalf. Yeah. While she didn't have to answer for anything. Yeah. And so this creator Maddie on TikTok was basically saying that it feels like Ice Spice could be put in a very similar situation, which like regardless of if Ice Spice asked to be on this collab or if she didn't or 
or if this was something that happened later because Taylor's like trying to again distance herself from like the bad things Maddie said by like aligning herself with somebody that Maddie is hurt or whatever the case is regardless of how this single came to be we are still in a situation now where Taylor is connected to somebody who did something hurtful towards Ice Spice and now Ice Spice because she's connected to Taylor through this song is going to be asked to like essentially accept forgiveness for something that like she has never fully directly been apologized to yeah. for. There's no way this is not all connected because yeah. this is the first woman of color Taylor Swift has ever had on a feature ever. Yeah. And you're telling me that it's the exact person that Maddie made offensive remarks towards. Like, make it make sense. And I saw another TikTok cre- creator, and I can't find the video right now, but they were basically talking about this is not, like, a Taylor Swift feminism move. This is a Taylor Swift girlbossing move yeah. of, like, bringing feminism into the conversation when it benefits her. Because if Taylor Swift really wanted to be an intersectional feminist, she would have had Megan the Stallion on this track. And she would have publicly supported Megan the Stallion when she was going through her court case with Tory Lanez. So, like, the fact that, like, oh, she's, like, an up-and-coming artist. And she's the first woman of color Taylor's ever collaborated with. Like, it's way too connected for this not to be PR. And it just feels a little sloppy on Taylor's behalf. Because we've seen her do this stuff before. So we know the game. Yeah. Like that video that you're talking about, like it was so interesting because the person who created this, her name is Olivia L. And she was basically saying how like before all of the Taylor Maddie stuff, before this thing came out, like she had made a video saying like, oh, it would be really cool if Taylor did a remix of Karma with Megan Thee Stallion. Like that would be such a good move. And then, like, didn't really talk about it more. And so then in this recent video, she was talking about how in making Midnight's, when thinking about essentially how do I get the song of the summer, the choice would have been to, while making this album, work with Megan Thee Stallion because of, like, how big Megan Thee Stallion is. Because, again, when Taylor worked with Kendrick Lamar for the Bad Blood remix and that kind of turned into, like, a song of the summer moment, he was big. Like, it was a big deal that she was working with him because he was, like, the moment. And, like, while I Spice is, like, killing it, she's not the moment in the same way that Megan is the moment. Yeah. And, like, how yeah. much more of, like, a statement it would have been for Taylor to work with Megan. And so it does feel weird when Taylor's never collaborated with a woman of color before to also go the route of this is an up-and-coming artist. They might mean nothing in six months' time. Like, I'm not saying that that's going to happen to I Spice, but, like, she could be a flash in the pan. We don't know. Meanwhile, with Megan, Megan's already established. Yeah, her, her career yeah. is already there. There will never be a moment in like music history where somebody l- would look back on like a Taylor Megan feature and be like, who the fuck is Megan the Stallion? Where yeah. there is still the possibility of somebody being like, who the fuck is Ice Spice? Yeah. Can you explain? So the, the joke that I was making earlier is that Sarah's making up Taylor Swift conspiracies. And I think it's important to, like, acknowledge here of can you explain the, like, timeline that you pieced together, like, when these things would have happened? Yeah. So, basically, like, at the time when I was saying this, I didn't have that clip of Taylor being like, oh, like, Ice Spice's team reached out, which, again, I still don't think is relevant because also when you listen to the song, it doesn't sound like this was... It sounds like it was, the remix was made quickly. Like, let's be 100% yeah. real. Like, obviously, like, Taylor has posted photos of her and Ice Spice seemingly in a studio together. But again, who fucking knows? Like, what could be going on here? I don't. But the timeline that I pieced together in putting on my Taylor Swift conspiracy theorist hat... So basically, I made a TikTok video and I started being like, not to be a conspiracy theorist, but I think based off of all the information that we know and the fact that Taylor Swift, who up until this point was like barely connected to the 1975 and Maddie Healy, other than like those moments literally a decade ago. And it's like the amount of people I was photographed with a decade ago that like I still run in the same circle with and have no connection to anymore is a lot. Like in my mind, I'm like, I've never thought as of the 1975 fan, like, oh my God, Maddie and Taylor are talking like as friends. Yeah, even. Like, yeah, yeah. It's not a thought that I ever had. So in January of this year, when Taylor Swift came out at the London, the 1975 shows and played like two or three songs, I was like, this 
doesn't make any sense to me. I was like, why is this happening? And so then when I put my conspiracy theorist hat on because of this Ice Spice remix thing, I was like, okay, let me build a potential timeline here of like how this all makes sense. And my brain went, okay, all these Taylor fans keep talking about how now that we know that Taylor and Joe are broken up, a lot of Taylor fans prior to the Maddie Healy potential dating announcement were like, oh my God, Midnight is My Relationship is Falling Apart album. And I thought that that was really interesting. Obviously, I don't really listen to Taylor, but when you listen back to the songs, they do feel like, wow, my relationship is slipping away from me. And having been in like a similar situation to that, I I get it. Like I can understand how people can feel like that from those songs. But now with the Maddie thing and people being like how quickly they got together, people are like, wait, is Midnight's a breakup album? And so with that information from Taylor fans, I'm like, okay, if all of the news around Taylor and Joe breaking up is true and it was like an amicable breakup, whatever the case may be, it's completely possible that the two of them broke up over last summer prior to the Eras tour announcing. But because Taylor is a businesswoman first and a real person second, Taylor Taylor was like, okay, I don't want us to announce our breakup because it's going to affect my tour. And yeah. Joe's like, I also have like two movies coming out and I would rather my movies be connected to be, you like, but <laughs> not even that, but like, I would rather like my movies have a chance than like yeah. people just be talking about the fact that you and I broke up. Like, I don't yeah. want to have to yeah. talk about that on red carpets when I'm promoting my movies. So they're yeah. just like, okay, since we're still friends and this relationship just kind of ran its course, like we'll be seen together a couple of times. Nobody will know what's going on, whatever the case is. And I think during this time, because Maddie also talked about how they were almost featured on Midnight's. I think Taylor and Maddie get reconnected by Jack Antonoff. And so I think Taylor and Maddie start texting and communicating autumn of last year. And I think, again, this is me being a psycho. I think that at some point during this texting and working together, they start to develop feelings for each other. And that's (laughs) that's why the announcement of the Taylor... And Joe breakup doesn't go to people through tree. It goes through ET through Joe because Joe is pissed Mm. off that Taylor is with Maddie because also like fans make fun of the fact that Taylor makes fun of in her songs. Like Joe is poor and like Maddie comes from two relatively successful, like Maddie's a Nepo baby. And so it's like, Mm. they're also like two very different people like Joe and Maddie and there's like rumblings about like Joe not liking Maddie I don't know what the deal is in that regard so I feel like Joe was scorned because he was like why are you date like you could date anyone and this is who you're dating while I'm still pretending that we're together so as to as to like deter attention attention from us breaking up so that the focus is more on like your tour so then he drops the breakup information then in January we have Taylor playing with the 1975 Again, I think maybe to like gauge their fans' interest in them being together and like see what the response is like and see if people are like happy that they're connected. And that goes relatively well. But then after that, we have the whole did he or did he not do a Nazi salute during a song about fascism? And yeah. then we have him going on a podcast and in like February. in February, yeah. in February, laughing along with offensive racist remarks Derogatory being said comments. about yeah. Ice Spice. We have him mocking Japanese accents, talking about internment camps. And we have the portion of the podcast where he talks about liking porn that brutalizes women of color. And that all happens in February, but we don't find about out about the porn brutalization stuff until later. Okay. And then in March, we have, <laughs> we have the iHeart Music Awards where Taylor Swift and Ice Spice are photographed together. Uh, seemingly... That's where they met for the first time. But obviously, now that we have this other information, they probably met earlier to like maybe talk about the remix, whatever the case may be. But we have in March Taylor meeting Ice Spice. So that's like a month after her new lover is heard saying and agreeing with offensive comments, borderline racist comments, actually racist comments about Ice Spice. And then we have April where the news breaks from a rumor that maybe Maddie and Taylor are in love. <laughs> yeah. Wait, 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 wait. April was when we found out Joe and Taylor broke up. Oh, right. So like all these like Maddie, Ice Spice, all this stuff was happening 
like under the radar and like the them being broken up was under the radar until April and that's when we found out about it. Okay. And then like two or three weeks later we get the rumors about Maddie and Taylor. Then we get yes. Jenna doing math about how far a flight is from Manila <laughs> to Tennessee with time zone changes. Um yeah. we all start spiraling and none of us have abs- none of us have known peace since mid April of this year. Like there's been absolutely yeah. no peace. And so yeah. we have we have that. Then we have in May them being seen holding hands in New York, him being at like all of these Taylor concerts. Also in May, we have the never before heard clip from the podcast episode about Maddie's racist porn tastes. And then we have Taylor announcing this Ice Spice collab and it all feels a little bit too PR. It all feels a little bit too clean up. It all feels a little bit icky. And like, I'm not saying that I think that if this had been planned prior to all the Maddie stuff that they should have taken this away from Ice Spice. Like, that's not what I'm saying at all. I just feel like at that point, I would feel like I was being used as a C- she likes me. It's okay that I'm dating my racist boyfriend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She did the, I have a black friend, therefore it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but we do have a TikTok from one of our faves at Not Wildlin. And he was like talking about this as if it was high school drama. And it was so funny because he was basically like, Taylor Swift is a class president. She's very popular. Some people don't really like her. Some people are like, she's maybe the best person. She's really scary. No one wants to be on her bad side, but she is the class president. Then we have Maddie, who is like the class clown and he's a joker. And he like sometimes says woke stuff and sometimes is really wrong. And everyone's like, can you shut the fuck up? Then we have the new girl in school, which is Ice Spice. And... For some reason, Maddie, on like the third day of Ice Spice being at school, wants to make a racist joke about her. And Ice Spice doesn't know any of these people. Then we have Taylor deciding, for some reason, that she's going to date Maddie and no one can say anything because she's the class president. And then also on the third day of school, like right after this happens, publicly in front of everyone, she invites Ice Spice to like her birthday party. And she's like, no, you're going to be at my birthday party, right? And Ice Spice doesn't know anything that's going on. And she doesn't have any friends yet. And the class president her is inviting her to her birthday party. So she's like, yeah, I'll come to your birthday party. And this is like the best, this is just the best funniest like analogy I've seen about this whole yeah. situation. And it was like so funny because it was like, oh, see, like just because my boyfriend said something stupid, like Ice Spice is my special guest to my birthday party. So like we're we're cool. It's okay. I can yeah. still date my boyfriend because I invited Ice Spice to my party as my special guest. And like that's yeah. what it, that's literally what it feels like. And I feel like that's why so many of us are like, this feels icky and wrong i also have seen several tiktoks saying that like if you look at ice spices verse on the remix like (laughs) you could read into it that she's throwing shade at taylor yeah like you could read into that if you want to swift it's so it's so funny like listening to the lyrics of ice spices verse because it really does feel like she's like oh bet you stupid bitch (laughs) like literally (laughs) what it feels like i feel like in all of this ice spice is the one who's aware of everything that's going on and playing the game a little bit better than everyone. Yeah, I mean, like, we're not the only people who are having this thought of, like, it feels like Taylor's like, oh, but my black friend's on my song. It's okay that my boyfriend was racist because I'm not racist because I have a black yeah. girl on my song. Like, we had, the first there, time ever. there literally was an op-ed from a HuffPost journalist titled taylor swift is apparently dating an alleged racist and is now using a black woman to cover her ass which like yeah. mic drop the, from, of, it, uh, of a headline i also think though like calling maddie healy is a racist feels very aggressive like this is a problematic man i feel like calling him a racist is a bit over the top and like again not i'm not the only person who has said this but also like it's not my place to decide that really well i think if it's it's kind of what we were just saying last time is it's like and and i feel like we saw some tiktoks about this this week of it's like maddie healy at his core trying to be a good person but he doesn't know how to fucking do it and he just keeps fucking up yeah like the difference between somebody who's like a bigot and lives their life on like being racist all the time and like what maddie had healy has done is like two different things and i think it's really hard as like social justice warriors of the internet it's really hard to 
where is the line of like, can this man please stop fucking up? It gets really complicated because I feel like it's so obvious that he's fucked up and that he's fucked up to an extent that he never has before. And because I feel like everything prior to this year of him doing things that are problematic are things where it was so easy to be like, but he's trying and he's just a white man who doesn't know what, like know how to talk about this stuff. Whereas now it's like, no, he's actively he's not trying agreeing to <laughs> yeah bigoted comments etc and like it feels like he for some reason thinks he's like impervious to being wrong and it's weird and confusing and i don't like it and nobody likes it and everybody's mad at him because it's like dude you were just like the dude who pushed the line on your thoughts and now you're like the dude who's like now you're bringing your fans to the party where people are saying actual racist shit and being like it was satire it's okay (laughs) and it's like no maddie don't don't bring your fans along to this ride that's not fair like don't do that yeah but the case in point is that people are writing headlines like this. So it doesn't yeah. really like the nuance is lost in headlines, yeah. right? We never have nuance in headlines. We know this. We know headlines say lots of crazy things. And this is an opinion piece. The point is that these words are being thrown around in association with Taylor Swift without the nuance of going through everything. And this is her presenting her PR plan. Yeah. And so we're in this uncomfortable situation now where like I Spice was already involved in this conversation without wanting to be included in this narrative. And now she like wants to be included in this narrative because she wants the career boost that you get from working with Taylor Swift, which she seemingly agreed to prior to Taylor having anything to do with Maddie. And now I Spice is fully in the middle of this controversy because you're not just going to pull a single because Taylor Swift's being connected to somebody who's being connected to racist comments and like is known as a problematic white man. Like you're not going to do that for your career, no matter how much like it might feel gross now that like Taylor is essentially being like, but look at my black friends because also last night. So Friday night at the, at her New Jersey show, which was like technically the New York show, Taylor brought out I spice to debut the remix live And so it's like Ice Spice is getting so much for her career out of this. But at the same time, it's like she's being used as a pawn in the Taylor Swift, Maddie Healy PR cleanup, essentially. And like, that's not fair to Ice Spice. No, it's not. And like I already said, like, this is something that other white female artists have done before when they found themselves in murky water for appropriation or bigotry or racism or other things where they then like invite that artist to come do something with them where it's like see look we're publicly on the same team now it's okay and usually that white artist is more successful than the black artist in like mainstream music and therefore the other artists like can't say no because it's a great career opportunity but then that uh, that other artist that's now being featured on this song has to promote it and in doing so essentially has to give this white person doing the absolute bare minimum their stamp of approval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why this whole thing is very problematic. (laughs) The whole thing is problematic. I think like as like wrap up thoughts, I feel like there's been so much news that's coming out about this like every single day. I feel like by this time next week, we're going to have yet another update. Yeah. And it will be interesting to see if I Spice does any kind of interviews or promotions around this. Yeah. If anything, I Spice is fully aware of the situation yeah. at hand and she's using this as a way to get her bag. Like, yeah. honestly, it's like instead of like being the butt of the joke, she's being like, no, you know what? Like, yeah, maybe this is fucked up. I don't know. These are just my assumptions. Yeah. Maybe she's like, yeah, this is fucked up. But you know what? This is how the world works. Taylor Swift is really fucking famous. I'm going to get my bag while I'm here. Like, yeah. you know what? And like, good for her. Like, if that's how she's coming into it, good for her. And in a way, it's kind of like reparations because she's yeah, no. using a white woman's tears and like fear of looking like a racist bigot to her and <laughs> not even that but like one of the richest yeah one of the wealthiest artists it's like good, good for world. her to like yeah. use the fact that taylor swift maybe feels guilty for once in her life to her advantage like incredible that's what you should do but it is interesting just like seeing the pr moves that have been done before that are happening now and it will be interesting to see like what press ice spice does do to promote this remix 
and if people are going to like take that leap to ask her about Taylor's connection to Maddie and how she feels about it because also in past interviews Ice Spice has also said that she's a fan of the 1975 yeah honestly like I don't see any world where Ice Spice is like yeah I'm annoyed like I feel like there's only the world of Taylor Swift was so lovely to work with like it was such like you know like there's not gonna be any yeah. Yeah. There's not going to be any bad blood here. Like we're not going to get yeah. any juicy gossip or drama happening because that would bury Ice Spice. And again, it's having a black woman having to apologize or like not even like be your be this white lady's spokesperson. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just going to be a mess and it'll be really interesting to see what happens. <laughs> it's just like when we explain it like this, it's just like so messy and like so it's sloppy. So, it's it's like... so messy and sloppy. <laughs> I feel like Taylor's like showing us a little bit too much about herself and she doesn't think she is. Right? Like, but literally yeah. though, because like <laughs> it feels really, really bad to say it, but this also feels like a collaboration out of fear of like Taylor herself canceled. being canceled and being without having called. to make an actual statement. Yeah. Because Taylor's yeah. like, she's not going to, because again, she's not the one who said something, but I think there is that like fear from her. She's like, no, I'm not racist. Yeah. Like that's, that's literally what it feels like. So I don't know. Yeah. It'll just, I'm just really intrigued Stay to see tuned. how this unfolds. <laughs> I mean, you guys have been in our DMS for weeks, like saying your piece. And I know some of you guys are tired of all of this too. Some of you are living for the drama and some of you are just like really stressed out because you like love Taylor and you don't know what the fuck she's getting herself into. And it's just been <laughs> really crazy to like hear all the different perspectives and like how deeply you guys are thinking about this too. Is just like yeah. so interesting, especially like the Taylor fans that listen to the podcast who are reaching out and being like, I'm so sick of this. <laughs> it's just like, it's been really interesting. And so it, we would love to hear more from you guys because I'm loving the conversations we are having in our DMs. So you can come chat with us on social media about all this stuff. We are at Name Three Songs on all platforms. If you want to talk to us one on one, you can also do that. I am at Sarah underscore Fagan and Jenna is at Jenna underscore Morgan. So thanks for joining us this week on Name Three Songs. And until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. And remember, you're never too cool to be a fangirl. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about any of the sources you referenced in this episode, you can visit namethreesongs.com. 